Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the Cash Confidence Stylist Podcast. So before we get into this episode, I got a question for you. How often do you ask yourself, where the hell is my money going? Okay, look, a lot of us, that runs in a constant loop in our mind. And it's time to take your first step towards financial empowerment. So I wanted to give you a free resource that is going to help you do just that. I wanna give you Assess Your Situation, which is the first module in my course, as well as your guide to figuring out where the fuck your money is actually going. Sorry if you have kids in the car. So this is gonna be a free guide that I've created to help you break the loops, providing you with tools to assess your current financial situation. You don't even have to break out the calculator and to help you gain awareness about what you actually need to start making those money moves where it truly matters. So go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes and snag it. The link is down there um, and enjoy this episode. Let me know how assessing your situation goes. Thanks friends. Welcome to Backroom Beauty Talks. My name is Misty Jane, and I am a money coach for hairstylists. I help self-motivated stylists get their financial shit together, creating healthy relationships with money, opening up more options for the future, and eliminating that paycheck-to-paycheck life. I created Backroom Beauty Talks because I wanted to bring real, raw, and unedited conversations to you, uplifting the beauty industry one stylist at a time. Hello there, friends. Today I'm talking with a good friend of mine, Laura Simmons, also known as I am Laura Elizabeth on Instagram. This conversation, y'all, this is why I started this podcast. I started this podcast not because I wanted to talk about all things in salon. I wanted to talk about you as the stylist. I wanted to talk about what goes on in your brain, what goes on outside of work, what, you know, as much as I love the hair industry, it's just a very small part of our lives. At the end of the day, we're all humans and we all have a story. So today, Laura came on and we had an extremely vulnerable conversation. Um, In this, we talked about finding healing um, in your past, and it's just, it's a beautiful conversation, and I really hope that you listen with an open heart and um, just appreciate the vulnerability that is being spoken about here. Again, um, I always thank you for listening. I love the support that I get from this podcast, and I hope to continue um, to be real and authentic and and bring out the authenticity in others as well. So please enjoy. Hi, Laura. Hi, Misty. How are you? I'm good. So I'm really excited to have you back because we get to get a little bit more in depth with who you are as a person, which is, you know, I'm totally here for that. (laughs) (laughs) I I'm here for it too. That's why I signed up to do this. I'm really, I am actually excited. And I, I shared with you a moment ago that I'm excited to share this so other people could possibly see themselves within what I'm about to share and know that there can be triumph on the other side of struggle. Yes. So for those that are listening, I asked my um, High Powered Academy girls if they wanted to come on the podcast and get a little bit more vulnerable because I like to kind of get more who stylists are as humans, um, stylists, coaches, anything like that. Because I think that as much as our careers are a big part of our lives, I think that, um, what's outside of our career is actually not only just bleeds into our career, but it also, um, I mean, it's our life at the end of the day and, and it, it makes a big difference. So I know that when we were in Tulum together, um, I could visibly see your internal transformation. I could see you kind of come in a little reserved and not sure. And then by the end, I could just feel you open up. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Tulum was interesting. I was, I knew I was coming into a space where I was very, um, my walls went right up. I felt them before when I was packing my bags, I was like, oh, I almost don't want to go. It was the weirdest thing. And I wanted to go, but at the same time, I knew I was going to be immersed around a bunch of women I didn't know. I knew that I was not going to really have a lot of alone time. And I was feeling really overwhelmed with having to show up in that capacity. And on top of that, Elizabeth threw it to us. She's like, it's going to be a healing retreat. And I was like, fuck, 
I'm not ready for this. (laughs) I've been through healing for like, I swear, like 40% of my life I've been working through healing, especially the last like five years. Well, and healing with people you don't know. Yes. I'm like, I have to share my story again. Like it just felt like one more thing. Um, But little did I know it was exactly what I needed. It always is. And what came up for me was my relationship with women. And I've always been a girl's girl. I've always had friends in my life. I've always had many pockets of friends in my life. Um, but oddly enough, I, I realized during those few, first few days that I had a lot of wounds that I needed to heal with other women with feeling accepted. And that really started with myself. And yeah, that's kind of where we began. <laughs> we, and that's why I was probably very standoffish and not even knowing, like I'm an educator. I stand in front of women for a living and talk. I actually coach women within their businesses. I wanted to be a part, I paid to be a part of a mastermind with women. Right. At the same time, there was a broken relationship between me and opening myself up to receive women's support. Well, talk to me about that for a second. So is it more like you're worried about kind of um, how people will perceive you? Is it more of, um, you know, women, you know, are bitches? Like, like, Like where, what exactly is the kind, what is the wall? Like, what is the wall protecting you from? I, and I'm still working through it. I still, I definitely can say there's still work to be done, but what I can say is there's a combination of hurt that has happened in the past between myself and other women. And most of these women were women that I either looked up to and was really looking for mentorship through, or it was friendships that ended up hurting me but it was always these expectations that obviously were unmet or maybe even intentional words that were said to hurt me and make me feel less than. So by protecting myself, I was not allowing there to be that type of like intimate relationship. So therefore I couldn't get hurt down the road. Um, Cause I know there's a lot of strong women out there with very masculine energy and they tend to intimidate me, but I'm also that same woman. I, that's what I was about to say though. I was like, but you have that too. <laughs> and it's funny because it's probably like when they say, you notice something about someone else and it irritates you, it's usually a mirror to what's working, like what's inside of you. And that's a hundred percent true. Yes. Like I don't like that masculine energy that other women carry in a bitchy way, but I guarantee I show up that way, not even knowing it. Well, I feel like it always comes down to, I remember in high school, like I would meet somebody and they would be like, you're so nice. I always thought you would be a bitch. And I'm like, why? Like, because I like, I walk around a little bit more confident than most people. Like, you know, like, it's like, that doesn't mean I'm a a bitch. (laughs) It means like, you know, like kind of like myself a little bit, I guess. (laughs) Like, (laughs) It's okay to love yourself actually. (laughs) Right. Right. That's where a lot of my insecurities came from was not loving myself and having like a really, what I call turbulent relationship with myself growing up from like 14 through, I don't know, even like 27 years old. Like it was just so many things that I was putting in my own way that I was creating more conflict with myself because I didn't accept myself. Therefore I created this persona of being super confident lore in the salon, AKA like I could have, I was a bitch sometimes. I was like, I was known to one of my previous salons for being a bitch. And I was proud of that because I was like, well, that's because I'm a hard worker and I don't take any shit and I work with my assistants really well, but I was intimidating. And instead of like deflecting it, I owned it because I didn't know what else to do with that title. Right. But I mean, you know, you hear that a lot with like empowered women, right? Well, or women who speak out or women who say, you know, what they feel like, oh, well, they're bitches. Is that a bad thing? Like at this point, I want to be like, well, thanks. Like, (laughs) like, you know, like there's a part, I mean, I get it. Like being unkind and stuff. That's one thing, but like, there's a part of like, quote unquote, being a bitch that is kind of like, well, yeah. (laughs) like, (laughs) Right. Like I own my shit. Yeah. I think because I am such a people pleaser and all I want is to be accepted. Like that's literally like my biggest desire is like, I just want everyone to like me and love me. And that's still to date isn't even true. There's things I shared with you on Tulum about certain, I think people within our industry that haven't accepted me and I have to be okay with that. Like that's okay that I'm not accepted by my peers and accepted by every single person that comes across my page on Instagram. It's not about that. It's hard. Um, It's hard. It's very hard. 
I mean, I think even behind the chair, you start thinking about clients who leave you, right? Like say like they just want to go somewhere else or whatever, because it happens to every stylist, right? And then right. you go in your head like, well, was I not enough? Was I not, did I not do good enough hair? Did they not like the conversation? Did, like, what did I do wrong when, you know, we kind of have to think about, well, it's not about, it's not always about us. It could be about them. And it's the same thing in the Instagram space. Cause yeah, I mean, we talked about it. It's like, there's, you know, I want to be friends with people. It's like, well, I like you, like, let's be friends. And then they don't really want to be your friend. And you're like, oh, okay. Why? What did I do? Right. <laughs> right. What did I do to piss you off? Or what did I do to turn you off? Like, why are you? It, it's so stupid at the same time. Like I think us women really do seek approval from each other. Even if like you're not the bestest of friends, you still want to know you can be friendly with that person. There's no hard feelings. And that's probably how I operate my life, but I can't expect other people to operate their life that way. And some people need to physically detach from you in order to what they call protect their space. I personally don't need that in my life. And I don't understand why some people do, but I take it personally when that happens to me, because I think it's, I did something wrong. I, I take it to heart. Well, it's essentially like feeling misunderstood, right? Like, you know, like nobody wants to feel misunderstood. Like everyone right. wants to feel like, well, you understand me, right? You know, and, and not everyone does. Not everyone's been in the same thing or gone through the same struggles or, you know, so it, it kind of just comes down to that. <laughs> yeah, no, it totally does. And sometimes you're never going to get an answer for something that you're seeking. And that's, you're not owed an answer. And that's one thing I'm still coming to terms with, with certain relationships that I've had in the past is not always having a concise answer to whatever happened or why the fallout happened within a relationship and just being okay with moving on. Right. Now let's, do you want to get into that? Do you want to get into kind of, um, you know, what struggles you've been through or yeah. I mean, I think by bringing this back full circle, and this was interesting because on a call I had recently with our coach, um, we were talking about enough is never going to be enough. So like enoughness and chasing that like success or chasing that goal and really understanding that no matter how high you climb, it really comes down. It falls on like you being enough with yourself. And this is kind of reopened again, Pandora's box for me with the healing of all of this. But when I look back to like where I started out, never feeling enough. I mean, that for me started when I was 14 years old and I dealt with an eating disorder and it was because there was a lot of change in my life and I was feeling insecure and all I wanted was to be accepted. So at that age, being skinny meant you're being accepted, which is the craziest thing. Cause I look back on that and I'm like, how foolish, but 14 year old Laura <laughs> rationed that idea. And I got really sick. I was very thin. I weighed, I'm five, five and I weighed like 85 pounds and it was very like, obviously scary and healthy. So it was a lot of attention to that for quite some time. And that was just the beginning of really never feeling like enough. So I got skinny and I never felt like enough. And then I got healthy again and I never felt like enough. And then I've gotten to the wrong friend circle, which was into drugs and partying. And I, all I wanted was be accepted and it was never enough. Um, and then moving into my younger years of being a new hairdresser, I struggled with a lot of depression at that time. And I went through probably still battling a little bit of like drinking but then super bad depression because drinking is a depressant. Um, I got into like cutting and I got really depressed and attempted suicide. And I look back and it was all just because I never really felt comfortable in my own skin. I never really felt like I fit in anywhere. And I almost took it, I took it out on myself. Um, like, why aren't you thin enough? Why aren't you pretty enough? Why aren't you accepted enough? Why aren't you, you know, doing enough? And even if you talk to my dad at 12 years old, before all of that happened, he was like, all you wanted to do was move out of the house. All you wanted to do was be independent so you could be your own person. And when I look at the whole picture, if I zoom out and I see all this turmoil that I created on myself, it was because I was really uncomfortable with who I was. And I kept filling these voids with all these things, hoping that that was going to find my joy and find my purpose in life. Right. And it even goes down the path of like falling into like relationships, like with men, um, being promiscuous as a woman, like this, I could, my list can go on of trying to find myself and my enoughness in all these empty things that were never there to give me joy to begin with. 
Now you've been doing this work for, for quite some time and you don't have to say this on the podcast if you don't want to, but do you know where that not enoughness came from at this point? That's something that Elizabeth and I started to dive into and I really feel like a lot of it probably stems and I had a great upbringing. So I'm not ever going to say my parents were not good parents, but I think as parents, as human beings, like they're also kids raising kids. When you think about it, they're in their thirties raising kids. I'm 38. I have no kids. And if I was raising a kid, I'd probably do something to fuck them up. So (laughs) I think we all make mistakes. We're saving for my son's uh, therapist now. (laughs) Right. Um, you know, I think it does come from watching your family. I think it comes from watching your parents and their dynamic and their relationship. And my dad was chasing money for a long time when we were kids. And I knew that because like, I didn't know when we were poor, but I knew when we got into a bigger house, we were poor. And then once that bigger house came, then the more money came, the nicer cars came. We moved to the United States from Canada. And like our, the focus of our family became about money and never being enough, which That stems from my dad's childhood with him and his seven siblings always clamoring to be enough for the approval of his parents. And I guarantee that comes from their parents and their upbringing. Like it literally is a lineage of enough of never enoughness. And so when people say um, your healing helps the healing of others, Mm -hmm. it helps the healing of like the lineages of the children behind you. If your family watching you go through these and we have the power to stop this type of work within our families if we choose to step up and do the work and acknowledge it. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's funny too, because um, I have, you know, things with my past as well. And it's, I don't like to talk about it openly as much because I have to tell someone else's story to tell my story, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, sometimes it can be just like one little thing, right? Like one thing that happened when you were growing up or one thing that was said that like completely changes the course of your mindset for the rest of your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be like you saying like your parents were great, you know? It's like, well, my parents were great, but, you know? And it's like this, 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 and this. And it, and I think people don't ever, I know a lot of people who don't do this work, they don't even think about when they were younger, you know? Like they, they don't even consider like where this thing came from or like why that feeling is even there in the first place. Cause it's not fun to think about. And yeah. it, you know, even it hurts other people even saying it out loud. Like maybe it hurt. Like if I say certain things, it hurts my mom, you know, yeah. like, um, so it's really interesting, but I think when you start to heal and like you said, the people around you start to see it, And then they start to understand, you know, that vulnerability, even just speaking it, you know, can, can cause a ripple effect of, of a change in a good way, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so how long did it take for you to kind of go, I need to work on some shit. Cause like, I know for me, like, it wasn't just like, like, One day I was like, you know what? I don't know everything. (laughs) What I'm doing isn't working. I need to figure some shit out internally. Yeah. You know, when did that happen for you? So it's interesting because I did go through a lot of therapy from 16 years old, probably through like my early, like my late teens to like 18, 19. Okay. Were you open to it then? Or were you like, not really. I think I went through it because I was told to go through it. Like you're 16, you're anorexic. Yeah. I'll talk about shit. So right. I did. And I taught, who knows what I talked about? I would, I was thinking the other day, I'm like, if I could have been like a little fly on the wall, listening to my 16 year old self, talk about her problems. I'd have been like, girl, get step out of this. <laughs> right. Um, Cause they really weren't that bad. I mean, and I can't, I'm not comparing because I know everyone has their own story and that's just what they were designed um, to be dealt with, not to go through, but to be dealt with. Um, with that being said though, I want to say like really from like my twenties, probably 22, 23, all the way through my early thirties, like I really depended upon alcohol a lot in my life. I don't ever want to say I was like an alcoholic, but I drank a lot. Mm -hmm. I didn't deal with my problems. I was like the super fun friend that was always down to go out and party. And that's how I dealt with things was through escaping with that. So 
I got married in my thirties when I was 30 years old and our marriage lasted two years. And when I went through the divorce, that's really when I was like, I need help. Mm. It's okay. I mean, it's still a, Ooh, it's still a gaping hole that I have to heal. Um, and I don't know if that ever gets healed, but there's a lot of emotion tied in with that divorce that I still look back upon. And, um, there's things that I still need to work through, but that was a realization for me to take a look at my actions and take a look at myself and realize like, no matter how much I'm chasing, like, obviously I was hoping this relationship was going to work and I made poor choices to be transparent. Um, and when things came to the surface, I ran, like, I'm like, I didn't know what else to do, but I ran, I left. I was like, okay, well, it's not working. So I got to go. I got to go find something else now because I fucked this up. And I chose to go into therapy, obviously, and personal and a life coach. So I, I was like, I need all the help right now because <laughs> I, I just kept making bad choices. Like my career was great. I was making good money. Um, I was perceived to be happy on the outside, but on the inside, I was just so sad and so unhappy and just really looking like, what is this what life is about? Like, I'm not even happy in my own life that I created that I thought was supposed to be the answer to my problems. So I dove in heavy for a good three years with life coaches, with therapists and with God and really just started to understand um, myself and understand the purpose of life. And that's really where a lot of like the work that I do now has kind of spun from because teaching someone how to make money and be successful in the salon is just one small part to the big picture. There's so much more to it. And when you are okay with yourself and I'm still learning to be okay with myself, <laughs> that there's a lot more power in the work that you do. Do you feel like it ever ends? Like, I don't feel like it ever ends. It never ends. <laughs> I asked yeah. my husband that one time. I got remarried, obviously. And I was like, does this ever end? And he's like, nope. Yeah. Learning. <laughs> I don't think it does. I mean, the more, like there's certain topics that I've worked through that are easier to talk about or easier to be more open about. But like in that process, I find a new topic that's harder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it, it really, it just never ends. The more you learn, the more you no, you don't know. Right. Like the deeper I go, I'm like, so this current breakthrough I had with Elizabeth was about enoughness, not having not, enough is never going to be enough. And I'm sitting with this and I'm like, Oh, that was such a breakthrough. Like, I'm so excited. I had this breakthrough. Maybe I've learned it all. Which like, <laughs> I'm done. It's over. <laughs> I can be finished. Yeah. Um, that's not, that's not it. I'm like, and then there's a part where it's like, Oh shit. What's on the other side of this? Like, what else am I going to find out about myself? How much more do I have to learn? Um, and I do, I kind of am understanding like that is just the process of life. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, not everyone takes that path to really discover themselves and undo old stories and rebuild new stories. Um, I think people really do take the alternate path of losing themselves in escapism in, in many different forms. And neither work is easy. Like losing yourself and drinking and not dealing through problems is not easy, but dealing with your problems head on is not easy either, but there is a different outcome on both sides. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, you know, saying like not a lot of, not, not everyone does this work, right? Like, so I hang out with a lot of my hair love community, like the high powered, like, like those are the conversations that I have, you know, so I, I talk to a lot of people that are doing this work, but I also still live in the same place I lived when I was younger and have a lot of like high school friends and things like that. And, and it's interesting because the conversation is different. And, um, this past weekend, actually one of my longtime good friends, best friends, um, she's just, like coming into this, like she was talking to me about the law of attraction and all this stuff. And I'm just like looking at her and I'm like, I've been doing this. This is what I've been doing. Like, this is like, you know, and, it, and it's, it's almost like it. I know for me, I remember reading the secret, like shoot, 10 years ago or however, yeah. I don't know, a long time ago. And I remember thinking, well, this is too simple. Like, this is, this is dumb. This is like common sense. Like you just, you know, like, I don't know. And then, but I didn't fully understand. Right. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't understand like, um, the mindset aspect of it. 
And I think that is what people, they think that, oh, well, I, I can't just think positive thoughts and everything's going to be fine. Well, right. You can't like, you, right. you know, you need to feel the pain and you need to work through it. And why do you feel it? And, and, you know, like, um, I don't know. I just, I just find it interesting because I think that it's something that it needs to be discussed more because people don't have to live in whatever pain it is that they're feeling because most people have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, childhood trauma period is, yeah. is yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's real. I mean, blame it on Disney movies and then living in a reality life, whatever that is, we all go through different forms of it. Mm-hmm. One, no trauma is greater than or less than the other. Everyone is dealt with, like I said, a different hand and that's just how it is in life. But two, it's like when you're in the midst of it. So let's just say someone started to go down the path of like, okay, I'm going to start working through some things that I know, like I just don't feel right about, or I need to like address. And then you get like, when you're in the middle of it, when the work feels really, really hard, that's when people are like, this isn't for me. Like, I can't handle this. This is harder. This is hurting more. Um, This isn't what I was expecting it to be. I should be further along than I am. And I've thought the same thing too. But it's like, you have to be dedicated to your healing. You have to be dedicated to the work of wherever it is you're trying to go with it. And sometimes you almost have to enter it blindly, just knowing I don't really like where I'm at or how I'm feeling about life. And so I'm just going to start and I don't have really an end goal. It's really just to get me into a place where I can better handle stress of life, right? I can better make, I can make better decisions in my life. Um, You know, and I think going back as well to what you said earlier about we keep our personal life so far away from our professional life. And I used to be that person. Like there's two things, there's two sides to me. I'm like two different people. We're not Mm-mm. like if this in here isn't right and this isn't good, whatever we do exterior, no matter how much we try and fake it is never going to come across as being authentic. It's never going to be as successful as you hope it to be because you have things that you still have to look at inwards. Yes. It's so true. I mean, think about like even little things like, again, you know, just like behind the chair, somebody says something, you get defensive, right? Like it's easier to get angry than it is to go, oh yeah, maybe I need to look at that a little deeper or, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's, and it's when you're doing the work, the things you don't get as angry, you get it, you know, you can kind of look back and, and look kind of an outside view of your own life and go, okay, like let me react differently. So it does, it bleeds into everything. Yeah. I, a quote I saw recently from, and actually my former life coach, her name is Ruby Freeman. And it was, you are not your trigger. So therefore, if you get triggered by somebody, their trigger is actually just triggering your trigger, which is not you. That is a right. detachment from you. When you own your trigger and you make it about you, of course, you're going to be triggered. So it's by acknowledging and almost like separating yourself from the emotional side of whatever that trigger is, AKA a client saying something to you that you get offended by. Um, it's that is, that's a heightened elevated state of mind is to have that awareness and that acknowledgement of whatever their shit is, isn't mine. And I'm feeling triggered because it's bringing this up within me because of stuff I've dealt with in the past. Yeah. Exactly. And I think anytime something happens in my life now with somebody, like if somebody is mean to me or says something to me or whatever, I always think like, what happened to them? Or mm-hmm. like, what, what, why do they feel that way? Like, cause I always look at it as, um, it's not, it's not really about me. You know, it's, it's really about something that's going on with them. And that's helped me cope with things that would upset me or would want me to quit or would, you know, put me in a place where I'm like, fuck this. People are mean. I'm going to go hide in the corner. You know what I mean? Cause it happens. Yeah. You know, it's, it's part of life, unfortunately. Yeah, no, it absolutely, it is hundred percent. Yeah. I, I listen to Joe Rogan all the time. And he always says that he, um, looks at everyone like a baby. Like they all like every, like if this person, you know, like they, and they were just a baby that all of the, their environment has turned them into what they are, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Cause I kind of, I think that now too, cause I'll like look at somebody and I'm like, I mean, even on the news, like somebody who shoots something up, right. They started as a baby. They started as an infant. Yeah. And then, you know, they had all these influences in their life and it kind of put them where they are. Um, and I don't know, it's just interesting. It's, 
it's an interesting way to think of things because no, we all it is. our shit. Yeah. It's funny you say, cause I almost sometimes for a while, I should say I was getting that place of just trying to be very empathetic about people and their reactions, um, including myself. And I would say, I would look at them as children. I'd be like, yeah, I'm like everyone in this grocery store is a child right now. And however they respond to me is based off of whatever that childlike reaction was in their upbringing. And it gives you a lot more empathy for people. Doesn't mean that you like give them a permission slip to be a jerk, but right. it gives you an idea like, oh, well, they're just a hurt human being that is looking for their path. And, you know, maybe they're just not aware and awake yet. And kind of going back to your law of attraction, like it's almost interesting for anyone who's listening is like, when you begin to read these books, it sounds so crazy. And like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, this is a bunch of shit. I used to think manifesting was a joke and people just made that up and they just said they manifested stuff, but they really worked hard for it until I started really doing the work myself and your thoughts really become things like they truly manifest into reality. Wherever your mind goes, the body follows. And I can say that for certain with everything in my life, if I were to look back on my choices, I was always looking for the worst case scenario. Of course, the worst case scenario happened. I was always looking like in my previous marriage for a different love or looking for a different source of um, feeling like enough in my relationship. So I looked outside my relationship, if you get what I'm saying. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of decisions that I made because where my mind went, my choices followed, which my body followed as part of my choices. (laughs) And I, you know, you just kind of end up in these places and you have no one else to kind of blame but yourself. So when you get in tune with that and you're aware of your thoughts and you start capturing those thoughts and being intentional with where they're going, like everything starts to change. And that's really what like the law of attraction is about and the secret and all those things, you know, it's, it's about your mindset and how you choose to show up. And that is the power behind success and happiness and all the things that people seek in life. It's so true. It's so, and I honestly think I didn't even like learn this lesson until this past year. Yeah. You know, cause when I quit behind the chair, I was like, oh, I'm just going to start coaching. I had no idea that mindset was going to be the work I needed to do for the first six months, <laughs> you know, and, and go Misty, you can do this Misty. It's okay. Misty, like, like no idea. Like if somebody would have told me that I'd been like, ha, whatever, you don't know what you're saying. <laughs> um, and it's funny. Cause I'm not, I'm not extremely woo woo, but I, I, all of it, um, for me, it's a terminology thing, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I'm not religious. I'm, um, I guess I'm getting to be more spiritual with, I guess that's what you call it, right? Is that what you call it like yeah, this? I yeah. Um, so I'm slowly getting to be more spiritual, but like, for me, it's like terminology. So for example, like manifesting, right? Like, I'm like, well, what the hell does that mean? I, I say I want it. And then it just shows up at my door. Like, no. So what I have decided manifesting is this. It's you decide what you want. I want a coaching business, right? I'm going to manifest that I'm going to get three one-on-one clients. And so every day I think about, I'm going to get three one-on-one clients this month. I'm go- I think about, it. so every action I take puts me in the direction of getting those three one-on-one clients. And then guess what? It happens. Mm -hmm. So, and that's all it really is. So it's like, I always say I'm like realistic (laughs) woo-woo. And it's funny because my husband says the same thing. Like when I first started talking to him about this stuff and he's like, Laura, you're not just manifesting stuff out of thin air. You're working for it. I'm like, well, I understand that. But, and I think I had a hard time explaining to him it is about your thoughts. And then yeah. your subconscious starts supporting those thoughts with choices that you choose to make, like building a coaching business. I struggled with the same thing two years ago. I was like, how am I going to show up and do this when everyone thinks I'm a fraud? I was telling myself all these crazy stories of I wasn't good enough. I was actually told, this was on our past podcast, it ties beautifully into where we're at right now. <laughs> um, a former boss of mine told me that mm. I was never going to be successful as a coach because nobody liked me and I wasn't likable. And I actually believed her. Like it was a such, cause I saw her as a mentor and she eventually apologized for it in like the most selfish way possible, which I'm sorry, I'm throwing this shit out there, but here we are. <laughs> and so it was like t- two years later, she finally comes to me. She goes, do you know, you know, those, what I said to you a few years back when you want to start doing coaching. Right. And I said, well, yes, I do remember that. Cause it I was think about it every fucking day lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What made me so sad for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> And she goes, well, I'm sorry for what I said, but clearly those words helped you push through and grow to where you are today. 
See, some people just, some people. <laughs> oh, anyway, that's a side note on what I was going to say. That's yeah. some, where some of the hurt comes from. And I have to see her as a baby and be like, oh, I'm so sorry, sweet girl. You must have had a really tough upbringing. Right. Um, where was I going with that topic of conversation? Uh, we were talking about manifesting and, and the uh, oh, coaching. action. Really yeah. coaching. That's right. So um, with all those limiting beliefs and things that were actually told to me, like I really had to like lean in and kind of what you just said, start physically taking action and waking up and telling myself affirmations that I'm abundant. I'm a good coach. I have things to share. Like at that point, I was 15 years into being a stylist, making over six figures. Like I obviously had systems that were working. So why couldn't I teach these at other people? But I was so afraid to show up and like, say that this is what I'm doing of being judged and being a fraud. Um, but yeah, it was through the consistent work and finding evidence that I am good at this, that I can help people, um, which is what brought me to where I'm at today with my career. And I wouldn't, I'm glad I pushed myself through that work. No different than when you get into the middle of doing healing work, you have to keep pushing through. Otherwise you're going to stay stuck. And you, like you, I think we said this yesterday, you can't unknow what you currently know, but you can't stay in that place of just like not never being enough or never feeling you're adequate to continue to pursue those ambitions. Yeah. I think, and the words people don't understand, like words are like, if I, if you say I'm bad with money, guess what? You're bad with money and you're going to continue to be bad with money because you keep telling yourself you're bad with money. And it's, it's like the moment you say like, I, you know, I'm, I'm good with money. You start making the choices, you know, to, to be good with money. Like it, it's, I remember, um, I think one of the first coaching calls I had with Elizabeth and I kept saying, when I become a money coach and she's like, you are a money coach. I mean, I had already done classes. I had already done, uh, you know, I'd already done, I've already been a coach, I've already coached people on this thing, but I kept saying when I become, and it's like, yep. stop it, Misty. Like you are, and that's the imposter syndrome, of course. Um, you know, and then, I think a lot of times it's, I think people always say, well, people are scared of failure, but I think mm -hmm. people are scared of success too, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, well, if I say I'm a money coach, what if people start hiring me now? I'm scared. You know what I mean? Or whatever, what, you know, whatever the yeah. thing is like. It's the responsibility on the other side of taking that role on. I've struggled exactly. with it. I actually have drugged my feet for three months starting my next program because I was afraid of taking on too much right. and not being properly prepared to support all these people at the same time. And it's not that I couldn't have done it, but it was like this weird fear that I was having to work through in order for me to be like, Laura, you can do this. Like, why are you holding yourself back? And it was the fear of responsibility of success. Yeah. It's crazy. It's not something you think about, you know, people think, right. Oh, well, if I say I'm going to do it and then I don't do it, well, that's failure. It's like, that's, that, I don't know if I even believe in failure anymore, to be perfectly honest, because I think that you learn so much from, from the things that you plan to happen that don't happen, mm -hmm. which essentially some people would call failure. Right. But right. it's like, I can't think of any quote unquote failure I've ever had that didn't teach me a extremely valuable lesson about myself or my business or my family or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because this is something, um, Mark, my husband and I talk about is for instance, he's writing a book and he wanted this book to be done last year and it just got put off. He got, he procrastinated long of a short, he's wrapping his book up now. And he goes, I'm so glad I waited because even though I felt like I was a failure for not working on the book for almost a year, he goes, I'm in a position now where when I do launch my book, because he's launching on Amazon and there's this whole algorithm of having it hit the top charts that when it launches, he goes, I'm going to have a top charting book within a day. Had I have done it last year, I wouldn't have had the tools in place. It would have quote unquote failed. So it's almost like you have to see things as like you're being prepared for that moment in the timing that's out of your control. And it doesn't mean it's on our timeline because half the time it's not. That's a very divine thing gifted to us. But as long as we continue to work within that thing that we're gifted to work within, coaching, being a stylist behind the chair, growing into an educator, like just the list could go on. You have to, you have to trust the timing of things. And just because you think you're prepared and ready does not mean that you're actually prepared and ready and you're being protected from the ultimate like 
failure or whatever that may be, or protected from something that could happen that may deter you from even trying again. Yeah, it's so true. I, you know, it's funny because I have always thought like my favorite people came from struggle of some kind, like, Mm, like whether, you know, whether it be like a celebrity or friends or whatever, like I, cause I feel like they have had to overcome more things and that it turns them into a pretty awesome person in my, in my opinion, you know, whether I always say that my, my, um, trauma just made me funny, but, (laughs) uh, pretty fucking funny, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but it's funny because now we're in a culture where you can literally post a funny reel and be quote unquote famous overnight. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's funny because it's like, okay, what is going to happen? Like my son is six. What is he going to grow up with? Like, you know, if, if he doesn't, how, how do we teach people? Well, you're not prepared for that. You're not prepared to post Billie Eilish. Okay. I don't know if you listen to her, if you watch her documentary. Perfect. I need to. I've heard I've heard. I love her super young. Right. And it's like within like three years, she's got millions and millions and millions of people all over the world you know, eyes on her that you're not prepared for that. Like there's something to be said for somebody who's worked, you know, five to 10 years to build what they have, right. Whether it be a mindset thing, whether, cause I know for me, I've been on this journey, you know, with my mind for, since I was like 25, you know, for like 11 years. And it's like, it, it's, it's all a journey. And I think that you have to kind of find, love in the journey, right? Mm-hmm. Cause it's never mm-hmm. ending. And it's like looking at your struggle and, and being appreciative of it, even though it sucks and it sucked at the time and it still sucks thinking about it, it but there's almost just like a thank you for that. You yeah. know, like it made me where I am today or who I am today. You know what I mean? Oh, a hundred. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I can look back and say like, I had like a terrible upbringing, which I would never say because it's like all those struggles that I went through are what created who I am today. And I, I'm actually firmly believe like this is literally what life is designed to be like, like mm-hmm. as much as we're like, I'm chasing the whatever, who's ever trying to be famous. I'm trying to be famous. That's yeah. my stardom. That's where I'm supposed to be. It's like, no, it's, it's, it's about finding more out about yourself and understanding like how to be a better human and not doing it in a superficial self-centered way. Like there's so much more like beauty and groundedness within the work that you do when you get really curious and you start asking yourself questions that feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think that the more that you get to know yourself, you know, the more comfortable you are when you are talking to other people, whether it be coaching clients, whether it be on Instagram, whether it be your friend down the street, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, people are drawn to that and the right people are drawn to that, yeah. Yeah. you know? There was a time where I mean, I'm talking about makeup on right now and I go on to Instagram all the time with makeup, not on, still a filter, but no makeup on, <laughs> but you can still see a little bit at a time, a little bit at a, a time. <laughs> But like, there was a time when I would never think about leaving the house without a full face of makeup on and my hair done. Like I, I really believe 2020 taught us so much about humility Mm -hmm. and about really like when things are stripped away from us that aren't as important as we thought they were really like, what is the important part? And that created more connection, whether that's a virtual connection, or maybe you're talking to your family on the phone more, like we had things taken away for very specific reasons. And I'm sorry for people that lost their loved ones. That is not what I'm trying to get at by any means. I think it's a very sad thing that people did lose their lives. But aside from that, like we have been taught to be so much more humble and less flashy. Like, yes, people have money to spend on vacations and stuff still, but you see less and less people, even celebrities, like having to get all dressed up and wear these name brand dresses to balls. Like it's about just like, being humble and being you and showing up. And the more you do that, like you just said, the more attractive you are to the majority of the world. Well, it's relatable, right? Like it's, I find it fascinating because you look at like the Royal family, right? And they're very not relatable at all, but people like are obsessed with them. But then you have people who, you know, are more relatable and like, oh my God, they're a human. And and we're also equally as obsessed with them. And it's very interesting to me 
you know, cause it's like, we're obsessed with the unknown, but we're also obsessed with the idea of, wow, people are, are just like me too. And it, it's like a comfort zone thing, right? Like, yeah. Like, it's like, oh, this, this, you know, perfectly put together person, um, is, I don't know. I don't know how, what I'm trying to say here, but like, it's fascinating. I, I find it fascinating on, on what the majority is drawn to. And I think I'm, you're seeing more of the realism. Thank yeah. God. Thank Finally. God. Right. Even I'm if not- it isn't a real or a TikTok or whatever new social media platform comes out, like give it to me. Like I'm entertained. I don't have TV anymore. I haven't had TV for a long time, but like, to me, that's my entertainment. And if it's like quote unquote real entertainment with people doing stuff in their house, dancing with their kids. I mean, I'll take it all day long. Like that's kind of where we're at right now. And I will be curious, like you said a little little bit ago about your son, like what is he going to grow up with when he's at that place of being involved with social media? Like it's who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, and little, little things I think about with him too. Like he doesn't, ha- if he wants to watch a specific show, this, a specific episode, he just has to press a couple buttons. He yep. has no idea what it's like to rewind a VHS tape or to wait a certain time or a week later to watch the next episode of a show. Like he is not like patience. He's not, he has zero patience. And like, it's like, how, like, it's going to be interesting. I I'm going to be, my husband and I were talking recently. We're like, we are officially like the old people that are like, (laughs) I remember back in my day, like a rotary phone. (laughs) Exactly. But you know, I mean, I, at the same time, I think we live in a, um, in a world where you can get so much more done more efficiently and quickly so it, it's going to be interesting to see the next generation grow up and see what they do with the tools that they have. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, very, very different. Even in the hair industry, right? Like how long did it take you to build a clientele without Instagram? Like walking up and handing out cards. Like I, w- I sat and had maybe two clients a day for the first two years of my career. Yeah. I would say when I moved to Dallas, I think I shared this on the last podcast, but I did grow my business in like a year and a half. I was like on a mission. But still a year and a half. I mean, one of my coaching girls, she just started behind, she's done wedding hair for a long time, but she just started behind the chair officially in September and she's already booked because of Instagram, you know, and it's gratification. Well, well, and that's another thing, you know, that's another thing that's going to be you know, interesting. Cause 2020 for me showed me, wow, I really do look for validation in my business and in my friends and in, in things. And that's something I'm working through is like, I don't, I need to not, I need to find the validation in myself. So it's like, that's another thing that is going to be interesting in the next generation for sure. So. Yeah, it definitely is. We're in a different world, but I think the more I tended, I used to, and I still probably struggle with this as I hold on to the things I love and I don't want to let go of them. Like could even be technology for instance, and just seeing how fast everything is changing. Like you can't, nothing, everything is fleeting. Like everything's moving and growing and shaking and you have to be up to speed with being flexible with change. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, openness, I, everything we talked about today, everything, yeah. mindset, yeah. everything, you have to be open to discomfort. Yeah. You know, whether it's something new and unknown, like fucking the clubhouse app, you know, or whether it's, you know, really having sit down conversations with your, with your younger self, you know, it's all of it has to do with, with being open to discomfort and being open to the unknown. And that's really scary for a lot of people. Yeah, it is. It's funny you said about conversations with your younger self. So Elizabeth gave me homework and I'm to pull up two chairs. Mm-hmm. And I am to sit in either of those two chairs and either speak to my younger self or be my younger self and speak to my current self and have a legit conversation. And I haven't done it yet. That literally <laughs> makes me want to cry. You just saying that out loud. Like, I don't know. I mean, I could do it, but I don't know if I want to. Great. Yeah. That's going to be next year's mastermind. I know, right? <laughs> so that's going to be really interesting. And to kind of tie this all up into full circle, like, you know, thinking about the evolution, like you just said with everything and going through what everyone has gone through in different capacities, like 
you have the ability to evolve as fast as this world does. You just have to make a choice to be intentional with doing that. And your past decisions, your past quote unquote failures or what we now know as lessons don't dictate and define who you are. Like when I showed up to Tulum with you guys, you guys didn't know my past. You probably just knew what you saw on social media, which even then I was like, I felt like I disappointed you guys because I was like walls up. I'm not showing myself right now because I feel very insecure. And, um, you know, I was the one that was carrying around a lot of those stories. No one else knows your your stories. Mm -mm. So you can redefine who you are at any moment in life. That doesn't mean go get a whole new identity, but that means do the work, get right with yourself. And when you do show up and you have that intention that you're working towards, whether it's impact within your business or your industry or within your family, like people will receive you so much better. It's just, it's not being the victim. It's being the victor within that. Exactly. And kind of like we talked about, you know, before we started recording is if you show up as your authentic self, like nobody can hold anything over your head, Mm. you know? In a way, it's being honest with yourself and honesty is always the best policy. (laughs) It's not like an elementary school poster, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Oh my gosh, no, it's so true. My family, when I was going through my eating disorder, wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. don't talk about these things. Family would come over for events. They would always ask questions. Nobody would talk about it. Don't talk to Laura about it. So it was like this big secret that everyone knew. And it was, it's such a, personally a a shitty choice to have as a family, like talk about things, normalize these discussions. Mm -hmm. Don't make, don't make disappointments or failures, like something that's a secret. Cause of course that's what makes it so hard to deal with when they do actually happen. Right. So I think that's one lesson that I can say I took from that is like, have open conversations as a family or even with your spouse about things that are going on that you're unhappy with or that aren't working for you. Um, Cause you're only feeding the fire if you ignore it. I agree a million percent. I always say, I think conversations can change the world. I really yeah. do. Yep. Laura, thank you so much. First thank of you. all, first of all, I am extremely proud of you. I know that vulnerability is scary in general, especially on a podcast. (laughs) Um, but thank you. I appreciate you. I love you very much. Um, and you did not disappoint anyone walking into (laughs) Tulum. Trust me, (laughs) but I think you know that now, you know, that now. yeah. Well, thank you for having me on and letting me share some of my story, obviously. Um, those things are hard to share. And I, I even find myself when I was saying it, I'm like, I'm just going to say it really fast and skip right over some things. <laughs> so that's okay. You know, it's step number one. I think exactly. accepting my past and my truth and owning it one that much more. I love it. Where can people find you? You can find me on social media. I recently changed my handle to I am Laura Elizabeth and I have a Facebook group called the elevated hairstylist. Perfect. Awesome. Laura, thank you so, 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 so much. Thank you, Misty. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you liked this podcast episode, please screenshot it, post it on the gram, tag me, tag Laura, tag all your friends. Um, Again, thank you so much for listening and enjoying these conversations that I get to have with my friends and those in the industry. Um, And I'm going to keep bringing them to you. So have a good one. Talk to you next time.